At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We keep it rolling here on the nightcap. Sean King, Tim Murray with you. And so we were just breaking down the Pac-12. A little more Pac-12 discussion coming up later on this hour. Let's decide right now, Sean. You mm-hmm. tell me, any conference out there, what are we doing tomorrow? Because we got to do them all. Right. So do we want to front load it? Do we want to back load it? You decide right now. You're the producer. Okay. What conference are we breaking down tomorrow? Well, we did the Pac-12, so I think the next conference that makes sense is the Big 12. All right. All Big right. 12 12 is. equals 12, right? Well, they... One has Pac, one has Big. <laughs> one has 12 teams, one has 10 yeah. teams. People on the East Coast really don't give a hoot about either one. <laughs> Although the SEC fan bases will probably be following Texas and Oklahoma uh, a little yeah. more closely you think so? you think? than before. See who this new uh, dog is in the neighborhood. Yeah, it will be uh, that that whole saga, which we don't fortunately have to really get into that much of now there's a potential alliance between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 going on. Who knows what's going to happen ultimately uh, when it comes to uh, comes to these conferences? But yeah, uh, we will uh, we will break down the Big Twelve. You heard it here first from from Sean's mouth uh, to to our viewers. We will do Big Twelve tomorrow. Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, Iowa State preseason top ten. They're one of those teams, Sean. That I just feel like, and they deserve it. I think Matt Campbell's a tremendous coach. And they're bringing a lot of people I, back. I, I, I just, I gotta see them handle the favorite eesh, role. They excel. Seven. They excel so much 
at being the underdog. Yep. It's kind of their identity. Sure. Like this Iowa small State. school in Ames, Iowa, you know, is ducked off off the beaten path. I gotta see I gotta see them actually handle being the favorite, like being the lead act. Like some acts are really good coming on first, kind of getting the crowd hype. But once everybody's in the building and you have to deliver, that's where the superstars come in. So I don't know if Iowa State's a superstar. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah, I mean, they, they played incredibly well um, in, in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, they beat Oklahoma last year, you know, but and underdog. I'm, and I'm underdog rooting goal. for them for this sure. reason. Because Matt Campbell didn't betray mm-hmm. those young people. He's turned down a lot more money to stay in Ames. So turned I down the Lions it, job. I actually hope it culminates with them at least winning the Big 12. Yeah. And I really do. We will uh, we will discuss that tomorrow, whether or not Iowa State is worthy of that particular bet. Uh, you think back to last year, they opened the season with a with a bizarre loss to Louisiana Lafayette. Well, it ended up being a really good yeah. Louisiana Lafayette. And team. that was a weird game. You know, obviously everything with COVID going on, but also it was, you know, I think they had a pick six. They had a punt return return in that game. Uh, and then they turned it on. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, they beat Oregon. Closed out the year with an impressive win uh, in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. Uh, So we will talk some Big 12 tomorrow. Texas, Oklahoma, Iowa State. What what does Oklahoma State have to say about this? Uh, They they beat Iowa State last year. So uh, there is, that is going to be, it's always great to be the hunter, now being the hunted when you're Iowa State. It is. Oklahoma's been there. Oklahoma knows what that life is like. Iowa State, look, week two, they, they have a home game against their in-state rival against Iowa. Uh, I wouldn't sleep well that night. Uh, if, you're, if you're the Cyclone faithful, that is going to be a hell of a game. And especially if Iowa loses week one to Indiana. Jay-Z did a whole song about it. The most addictive drug in the world is when you can look in the mirror and know who you are. And that's what Iowa State is. That's where their players and are. They've been, that's where their fan base is. We'll see how they handle it. They've been building to this year for a long time. And we'll see if what, what they can do. I'm pulling for him. Go Matt Campbell. Yeah, he's really likes to scrunch that brain. They've got there. a lot of Florida kids. Like, I went head-to-head with him on the recruiting trail. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> you were recruiting to Tampa? Hey, you man. couldn't beat out Woo. Ames, Iowa? I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple baseball games to get you uh, quickly updated on as we will hit up Eric Eager here in just a moment. Uh, the San Francisco Giants. Beating the New York Mets one to nothing right now, man. The Mets, oof. And the Dodgers and Pirates, they are scoreless in the top of the fourth. Eric, you're going to join us in just a moment. That's Sean. I'm Tim. Let's keep it rolling. It is the nightcap here on Vison. Cap here on Vison. That is former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He's a Super Bowl champ. I like wearing the red. You like that? My wife said I look good in this, so I put it on for her. Anything your wife says, you yeah. just you just follow. I got the uh, Keep Calm. There's still a game in Hawaii shirt from. Uh, check it out <laughs> the Vison store, baby. Uh, that's what. That is one of my favorite things. And we didn't last year with the the limited schedule. We didn't get those late night Hawaii games all that often. Normal, normalcy. I get to check out the Vison store. I haven't been by there yet. Yeah, give uh, give Bill Lady a, a, a yeah. little note. He'll he'll get you some 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 gear here. We'll we'll represent. We'll have to get 
We'll have to get pulling for my pockets. I got it. Yeah, we'll Make have to get that a shirt here. But uh, always pulling for our pockets with our next guest, a great friend of the program, was listening to his podcast earlier today, uh, which is the PFF Forecast. Find out all his work uh, at Pro Football Focus. That is Eric Eager, who joins us right now at PFF underscore Eric. Uh, Eric, I just want to hit on something that you said during the podcast because I want you to expand on it um, when it comes to – Teasers. Now, I, I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they're going to say preseason and a teaser. You got to be crazy. But I, I was listening and I, I said, man, I mean, I, fortunately, I, I did have a, a decent first week. I only bet a couple games and, and they came home. But as soon as you said that, I said, why, why didn't I think of that? You've got incredibly low totals. It's not going to be a ton of blowouts. Teasers, especially teasing dogs up to that seven, eight number, you know, through three, through seven. Uh, man, that is uh, that is mighty tasty. And I look at, you know, Tennessee this week. We've already been told Tampa Bay is not playing their starters. Tennessee getting two and a half. I'm like, ooh, teaser <laughs> right there, Eric. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Because, like, people will, will uh, you know, moralize with you and say, man, if you – you bet preseason, you must be like a, a different type of degenerate. I'm like, wait a sec, would you rather win now in August and build up your bankroll? Or, like, let's all be honest, we all know that, like, if you're betting an NFL side at 10 a.m. Pacific, you know, where Pinnacle is taking million-dollar bets, Chris is taking million-dollar bets, Circa, where you guys are at, are taking humongous bets, like, you're losing, right? Like, generally speaking, like, that's the sharpest time. And I, I remember my friend Courtney Cronin, who covers the Vikings, tweeted out that the Vikings were benching 31 players on Saturday. And the Denver minus one first half didn't move at all. Like, you know, like, this is the – in addition to, you know, the fact that what you said, Tim, which is that, you know, now the totals in the NFL are in the 50s oftentimes – the long teaser, the teaser where you take a team from, let's say, two and a half through three, through four, through six, through seven, through eight, like those are less valuable because as totals grow, the probability that the game lands on three, lands on seven is lower, and right, you get six points on a teaser no matter where it is, including through those key numbers. But in a game that has a total in the mid-30s, you know, that's more points that will pile up on threes, fours, sixes, sevens, and eights. Um, like it's a gold mine, and yeah, not all of them won, um, but enough won for most people to have a pretty profitable uh, weekend. And and it also, I think, one thing about preseason that also is important is it, you know, it gets your muscles flexed a little bit on betting unders, which is hard to do, and especially hard to do when that number is like thirty three and a half. Um, but if if you have the stones to bet an under in the preseason so far, you're fourteen and three. You know, Eric, I, I need therapy. <laughs> when I hear under, I think ugly. <laughs> I just have been burned. Uh, every time I bet the under, the game ends up tied. We're in overtime or something. You know, we're in extra innings. So, like, if someone like me, how do you talk yourself into betting an under? More importantly, what are the, some of the factors that play into when you actually do decide to take the under? You're showing like I. It's different, right? Like it's when you played for the O2 Bucks, your team had like one of the best. I mean, they made every single quarterback look like the worst quarterback in football. So it's easy to bet unders there. But like for a team now, to me as an analytics person, I like seeing 
go for it on fourth down. I like seeing teams be aggressive. I like seeing teams um, throw the ball down the field. And an under is like a hedge against all of those things, right? So if you bet an under and a team decides to punt on fourth and one from the opponent's 45, you're a little bit irritated that they're playing terrible football, but you're a little happy that you're about to get paid out for it. And I think that's the thing, like, you know, I root for efficient football, and I'm not on a ton of unders during the like actual season. In fact, I don't think I'd be on any week one this year if I look at my numbers. But during the during the preseason, like, you know, a the quarterbacks aren't very good. B, um, you know, the, the the offenses are extremely vanilla. And C, a lot of teams like don't even go for it on fourth down when they should in the preseason. So to me, it's like when you bet it it's almost a hedge against efficient football. And in the event that teams actually play efficient football, it's like, okay, I just paid for an entertaining game, I guess. Eric Eager here from Pro Football Focus. He's a data scientist, one of the best in the business. I liked it. I got to get a, a, a business card cool, that has cool something like cool that. on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so second week of the preseason coming up, Eric, right now, do you see any numbers that you think are soft or might have some value? Uh, yeah, I think um, Arizona's at home against Kansas City. I think you know they're they're getting that two and a half. Where you, again, you can keep that through uh, three through seven. Um, Give yourself there that total on that game is forty one. Uh, that's probably an under as well. Um, that's the first total I've seen over forty all all uh, all August so far. Um, you're also getting. I mean. You have Indianapolis plus two and a half in Minnesota. You might see a little bit of a motivated Minnesota team um, after they got blown out by Denver. But, uh, you know, my, my sources in Minnesota say they're just not that good. Um, and, and so you, you could blow the Colts up to eight and a half there um, in a teaser as well. Um, you know, and then there are just some numbers that are kind of absurd. Like there's no reason the Rams should be seven-point underdog at home in a preseason game with a total that's 35. I know they're, you know, Seattle six-point underdogs at home to Denver. Again, like, these teams don't play their starters long enough. You know, Tampa Bay, for example, was the only team favored by more than four this weekend. They were favored by six. They didn't play Brady long enough to blow out, you know, the Bengals. In fact, the Bengals won that game outright. So there's a number of games. You know, Cleveland and New York is a, is a spread of about six and a half. You, you probably want to take the dog there. Uh, I, 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 did, I mentioned LA, uh, Las Vegas against LA Rams. Denver against Seattle. It also has the Detroit Lions are getting six in Pittsburgh. I don't care how bad the Lions are going to be in September. They're not bad enough in August to be getting six points uh, in Pittsburgh with a total on that game of 36 and a half. So there's a lot of opportunity here, a lot more than last weekend where more, most of the games, a lot of them were actually teaser protected, um, you know, at a pick or all the way to plus one where the teaser isn't actually a value because if you push the seven, uh, you, you don't win the bet at all. Talk once again to Eric Eager and, and just a great look at uh, at week two of of the uh, of preseason football. Um, but but going back to week one, and I know you and George uh, discussed it on your podcast. We discussed it and broke it down to start the show. Uh, just curious to get your thoughts because Sean gave his analysis of what he saw in week one of the preseason and some of the quarterbacks that flourished in his eyes when it comes to rookies. And then we correlate that into the rookie of the year market. So how did you, how did PFF grade out uh, the rookie quarterbacks? And, and after seeing what we saw, Eric, is there any player now that you think is worthy of a offensive rookie of the year bet? 
Yeah, I mean, we actually had uh, Mac Jones get the best grade. I think that was mostly because he sort of stayed within himself. He, you know, he threw the ball quickly. He was accurate, um, and he didn't make a lot of mistakes. Zach Wilson was second to him. Very same thing. You saw a little bit more um, of a wow factor with Wilson on some of his throws, even though only one of them was more than 10 yards in the air. You saw the zip on it that you saw at BYU. I kind of put those guys in a different category because they graded well, but they weren't exactly stretched out that much. You know what I'm saying? Whereas when I look at Trey Lance, Trey Lance had a 49 grade versus the lowest among the, among all quarterbacks. He had three turnover-worthy plays, two turnover-worthy plays without, without pressure. So those are the bad things. But you obviously saw the deep touchdown pass over the top of Devon Key um, in that game that sort of showed the wow factor. You also saw him moving around in the pocket in a way that was very becoming. And, and so when you watch that game, he didn't play well, he didn't grade well, but you saw the potential there. Jordan Love, by the way, not in this rookie class, but also graded extremely well for Green Bay before getting injured. And then you had you know Justin Fields, who got kind of a, a, an above-average grade from us. He wasn't great against sort of like the first guys that came out from uh, Miami's defense. And his touchdown passes, you know, very easy sort of like wide leak type of play. Um, but you saw the athleticism, saw the speed, uh, that 4-4 four is legitimate for him. The one question I have, though, is he held the ball longer than any of a more than three seconds for dropbacks so or more than anybody uh, in, in the NFL this week. And they, there was always that question about him at Ohio State, which was, um, you know, when the blitz came, a lot of guys would get rid of the ball and sort of live to fight another down. Fields tried to elude that stuff. And in the NFL, you know, he's lucky. He has you know, supreme athletic ability because there's always going to be, there's going to be plays that are, 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 are going to be conducive to wanting to dump the ball off and live, fight another down. And he's very scrappy in the pocket. But he played well. Um, you know, and I thought, uh, I thought Trevor Lawrence looked fine. You know, the interesting thing about Lawrence is Jacksonville is such a sideshow that Trevor Lawrence sort of falls, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick in the NFL, but probably the best prospect in the league right now. And we're talking about Tim Tebow's block, right? Like, <laughs> like they've done a great job of sort of like getting him out of the spotlight and getting him without pressure, which I think is why, you know, you talk about best. I still like Jackson, both a long shot to win that division. Houston's not very good. Indianapolis is not very good. And Tennessee's got a lot of leaks. Um, as far as in the, in the market, I don't know what circus number is here. I didn't look that up, but, Currently, Zach Wilson's 10-1 to 1, um, to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think that's worthy of a bet at this point. I think people are sleeping on the Jets. I think the Jets will have a, will have a pretty decent season. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs or they'll have a winning record, but I think Zach Wilson's going to impress people this year. And at 10-1, to 1, especially given that he has no backup you know, that, that's threatening him to play, unlike Lance and unlike Fields, I think that's, you know, and Mac Jones as well, I, I think that's a great bet. That's your guy, Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Sean is. Uh, I have a Sean, security detail Sean, because the Jet fan, <laughs> Jets fans are out to get me. <laughs> but you were, you were, from what you saw. Now, a small sample size. From what you saw in, in that game, he you, had composure. He threw the ball with zip and with accuracy. Having said that, I'm the kind of guy, Eric. Every every completion, I'm rewinding the the. The TV, so you can't watch a preseason game with me. Like <laughs> the game's over, no like way. two hours before the game's actually over for me. They were very bland from a coverage standpoint. A couple other young quarterbacks were the same. I thought that made his reads very, very easy. But I liked and was encouraged by some of the things I saw. I personally was not high on Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. 
coming into the draft, I thought them going number two and three was extremely, extremely big reaches by the Jets and the 49ers. Hopefully I'm wrong, but uh, time will tell. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Lance. I, I think that we were all so relieved that the 49ers didn't trade all those picks to take Mac Jones that we overlooked the fact that they didn't take Justin Fields and took Lance instead. I think Lance probably has the best feeling in the entire class, but he probably also has the lowest floor. I think if that thing crashes and burns, it'll be it, it'll be worse for the Niners than any other team, right? Like I mean, We're talking about a guy that has never played an FBS game and he's only played one FCS game in almost two years. So it, it, yeah, I agree with you there. I'm actually a big fan of Wilson. I think uh, he, he's got um, he's got a lively arm, and he's got some composure there. He's slight, though. He's much like Jim McMahon, a former BYU quarterback as far as size-wise. So that, was, that is the one thing that concerns me. But statistically, of all my projections, like Zach Wilson's projections look the best going into the draft. Uh, and so when the Jets took him at number two, I felt a little bit relieved there. I and, and you look at that LaFleur offense, uh, I think a lot of people look at the Niners and say, oh, that's a great offense for a rookie quarterback to go in. But I don't think they're looking enough at the Jets where you have LaFleur, who's on that Shanahan tree. I think they're going to do a good job of making um, his life easier, which is exactly what you want to do, whereas the last Texas team made life on Sam Darnold extremely difficult. Talk once again to Eric Eager. And Eric, before we let you run, um, Sean was really high on Mac Jones. And at 10 to 1, by the way, just, just for comparison's sake, the odds we, we've been discussing, uh, Eric, you discussed them on your podcast. We discussed them quite a bit here. That's our, those are our graphics are from DraftKings. Both Zach Wilson and Mac Jones are much shorter at a couple spots here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Circa, Zach Wilson plus 750, Mac Jones plus 850. Uh, the Westgate Superbook, Mac Jones 700. Zach Wilson plus 800. So 10 to 1 right now, DraftKings, you're actually getting a better number for both of those. Uh, we got about a minute, Eric. Mac Jones is starting to intrigue me because, you know, just talking to Sean about it, he just seems like the perfect fit to what Bill Belichick wants to do. Gets the ball out of his hands quick, is going to get where it needs to go, is going to wow you with athleticism or a big arm. No, but there was a guy who wore number 12 who also did that too. Now, I don't want to make that comparison because that's the greatest quarterback of all time, but Mac Jones at 10-1 to 1 does seem intriguing right now. Yeah, Mac Jones, Mac Jones sits on all of our biases, right? Like, we didn't want him to go to the Niners at 3 um, we, we look at that offense in Alabama and say, wow, anybody could do that. But at the same, but at 15, at draft pick 15, he was a fantastic value for New England. He probably would have been a, I, I probably would have traded up to 10 to get him, you know, and I would have drafted Fields earlier as well. Like, I think he's a great player for New England. And I think on a rookie contract, he's going to be what the doctor ordered as a replacement for Brady. Um, he, he, you know, like I said, the bar was really high at Alabama. He cleared it there. And and I think people who are negative on him are just anchoring to the fact that they didn't want him at pick number three for the Niners. He's Eric Eager. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. Check out the podcast, PFF Forecast. Eric, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. There he is, Eric Eager. That's Sean. I'm Tim. It's an ICAP here on v
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nightcap, we'll get back to the Pac-12 with Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Network. He will join us in 20 minutes. We'll get his thoughts, whether or not he agrees on my uh, my affinity to the Huskies, the Washington Huskies, who, by the way, in town here in Vegas, you can find as long as 6-1 to one to win the Pac-12. Hmm. Mm. Might, might have to go shopping. A little bit later on today, Sean. It'll make some purchases. So we will uh, 
we'll keep a close eye on that. But maybe maybe Yogi can talk me off the way and say, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. So uh, we will keep our Pac-12 discussion going on. We are now breaking down every conference. We were doing a division a day in the NFL. Now we're switching our attention to college football less than two weeks away from the start of uh, college football. Do you think, Sean, uh, you coached for, what, five years at USF? Yes. Do you think we should have... You know, college basketball, they get those secret scrimmages. Um, do you think college football teams should be allowed to have a scrimmage? Not not even a full-on preseason game, but to bring in at USF, to bring in UCF. No. Really? No. Why? Because the amount of players on the roster in college. You have enough to have your own scrimmage. Hmm. And if you decide to go ones versus ones, then you get the quality of Op- uh, competition and opposition that you get, you know, during a regular conference game or a regular game. This is too much travel, especially yeah. with COVID going on. Well, like, I'm just saying, where, like, where do you have it in at? Normal, in, in normal times, just, you know, in a, in a perfect world where there is none of this craziness going on three years ago when you were at USF. Yeah. I, as I just, a coaching staff, you can evaluate enough from your practices internally to know, okay, this is who we need to be out there. Yes, because okay. if I'm not mistaken, it's 110 <laughs> is the yeah. number that colleges oh, yeah. have on their program. Yeah, 85 scholarship, right. but then walk-ons. And so you're not, up to 110. Yeah. You, you only can play 22 at a time. Right. Sometimes, Anywhere's in the NFL, sometimes I have these smaller things numbers. in my head, yeah. and then I'm like, I just need someone just to shoot me down. I'm like, no, that's yeah. dumb. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Um, ooh, the Mets just tied things up. Hey, New York Met fans, it's not so doom and gloom. Just tied things off of, of Cy Young. And this is Gossman. Yeah, I wouldn't say Cy Young leader, but uh, Cy Young up there in Cy Young discussions. I didn't, I didn't, Kevin I didn't touch this game, but I thought this was a Giants blowout. Mets played last night on the East Coast. Giants were off. Mets have to travel all the way to San Francisco. I, I thought the Giants would be fired up for this one, but... P. Alonso just a two-run triple. Why they play the game? To even this game up at two, so two to two there. Man uh, on third. The San Francisco no Gigantes, who we will uh, discuss a little bit later on, I believe, in the show. Uh, and they have been. It has been really impressive, Sean. What the Giants have continued to do. What uh, you're a man who likes to get down on some baseball. Anything? Yeah. Uh, anything today? Yeah, I, I had a nice little two-teamer earlier. Okay. Yeah. yeah so. Kind of got unlucky in another game, but <laughs> overall we're up today. Uh, John Morosi tweeted this out earlier today about the Giants. 12-3 and three since the trade deadline. Best record in baseball over that span. Buster Posey, 975 OPS. Brandon Crawford, 900 OPS. And now, I think for the first time all year... And uh, like I said, we'll talk about this a little bit later on as the Dodgers are playing right now. Top five out in Los Angeles, scoreless with the Pirates. They are, the Giants, for the first time, a favorite here at Circa. Now, they're co-favorites, but they are a favorite to win the NL West. I'll be honest with you. Whatever your strong opinion is in Major League Baseball, just stick with it. Because... I know we're talking World Series odds here, but quietly the Braves are now in first in the NL East, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and I yes. will quietly. Just <laughs> no one has to say anything, Sean, because 
preseason, I took a 14-1 to swing at the Braves. The, Do hey. I feel great about that ticket? No, but I'm not burning it. Yeah. So, hey, man, you get invited to a dance, you never know what well, happens. Baseball's all over the place this year. I have no idea. I, I, I really... I was I like you. I I put a advanced play in with the Rays to win it all. So I'm just gonna stick with that. Yeah, we'll see what process. happens. I do. I have been contemplating the Brewers. Just you know, we've talked I like the about Brewers. it. I really talked do. about it a little bit back and forth. So uh, we'll see there. But uh, the Mets just take the lead off of Kevin Gosman now three to two. Hey, those pesky Mets. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Pirates and Dodgers also going on right now as well. They just got out of the top of the fifth. Still scoreless Pirates and Dodgers. That's Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. Preseason football, the trends you need to know. It is the nightcap here on Beeson. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
Now that the NFL preseason has kicked off, week one in the books, it's the perfect time for you to huddle up VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. The guide, only 20 bucks, folks, and discounts are available when you buy both the NFL and College Guide. Reserve your copy or sign up for VEASAN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now. Head to VEASAN.com backslash Subscribe. John King, Tim Murray, you're looking at me. You're looking like My I did, did something wrong over here. Not at all. No? All right. No. You, you read so eloquently. It's just <laughs> it's captivating to sit next to you and just hear you read. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, you should tell tell that to my uh, sixth grade English teacher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did a good job. <laughs> um, well, I think we have done a good job, a collective to uh, to get you to open up your eyes yes. to see the light, Sean. I see it. Betting the preseason. We just had Eric Eager on. I don't know if he uh, if he helped enhance your uh, your your thought process. Now, once again, nobody's telling you to go crazy. It is the preseason. There is certain certain unpredictabilities when it comes to that. But unders. Through the first 17 games, the Hall of Fame game, and week one, 14-3. and three. <laughs> Favorites, 10-7 and seven straight up, 9-7-1 and one ATS. Uh, the two favorites that uh, we discussed on this show, uh, Matt Humans brought up the Patriots against the Washington football team, which, by the way, that was a line that swung, I think, in total four points. Late touchdown covered all the numbers, though, 22-13 the final. And then the Raiders, 20-7 over the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, Eric Eager was making some good points about a handful of teams. You know, Arizona at home getting two and a half. That's a teasable number. Now, one of the higher totals in the preseason actually is the highest total at 41, Sean. Cards. But in the regular season, you would look at 41 and say, oh, man, that is a incredible teaser number. So, once again, when you're teasing – and, you know, we'll talk about this more so in the, the regular season. You want to look for a home team getting points with a low total because those numbers, you know, if you're teasing from 2 to 8 with a 41-point total as opposed to a 2 to 8 and a 61-point total, well, which one do the points mean more? It's right. the one with the lower total. That's why college football to me is unteasable. I mean, there are some. Do they games. ever have a total under sixty-five? <laughs> unless it's unless it's Army and Navy, right? Um, yeah, and they still fly over. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> there are sometimes when those teams do uh, do fly over. But yeah, I think there's it, it's going to be interesting to see. And now you see Denver, and I, I think you know, look, the people over there, they do this for a living. Right. They don't like losing. So you see what Denver did, and I thought you brought up a great – Denver is in a unique situation, and that's why this line has moved three and a half points, Sean. I still like Denver. And I do too. Yeah, I still like Denver. And, and right now, you know, they're sitting at six. Not a number I love to tease because I, I love getting through those key numbers, right? If you're going to tease down, have a seven and a half – like week one of the NFL season. Now, I'm just using this as an example. I'm not saying I would necessarily bet it, but week one – uh, you've got Chicago at home. Or sorry, the Rams at home against Chicago. A total of 44.5, which is pretty low for 
for the regular season. It's one of the lowest totals on the board. And you could tease that from seven down to one. Mm-hmm. So you're going from a touchdown down to one for the Rams. They're at home. So I think that's a teasable game. Um, I think the Giants in week one against Denver, I think that's a very teasable game. Because right now the Giants are plus one and a half at home. You get to tease that up to seven and a half with a total of 42 and a half. So going back to the preseason and talking to Eric Eager, yeah, you tease down or tease up a lot of these dogs. And it's just, you know, it, are you going to see a blowout? Are you going to see Green Bay? Who, who's playing quarterback for Green Bay, Sean? I don't know. So they're right now a one and a half point favorite. The Jets at seven and a half with a total of 34. We just got to find a dance partner. Who's dancing with the Jets? I think you could dance with the Titans. Now, they're on the road at Tampa, but Bruce Arians has said, well, we're not playing our starters in week two. Okay. Now I get Tennessee at plus eight and a half. Hmm. So I I think, once again, don't go crazy, but I think with the low totals that are out there, with what we saw in week one, which was unders galore, teasing through some key numbers is, is a very interesting way to look at week two. Maybe we'll use that as a case study. I'm not going to go crazy, but I think looking at some of these games, looking at Arizona at home, we can get them plus eight and a half now, Sean. So, you know, I believe in trends, right? I believe in momentum. Sure. 14 and three to the under. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just play the under in every game? See, where I start to kind of psych myself out is aren't the books going to catch up maybe a little bit yeah they're going to overreact you don't have to worry the, about overtime the public's going to go crazy that's true you yeah. don't have to worry about overtime um but i think defenses are generally ahead of offenses early in the year this is early in the year football sloppy most people aren't playing their elite quarterbacks no i i wouldn't be i I won't do it just because I would be scared that I'm, you know, you're once you once you once the trend is out there, that's when I get scared. See, the I'm show like, should I'm do like, it. ah, we should do like a nightcap ticket and All we right. can use Aaron, our producer's money. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. And we just go put the same amount of money on the under in every game. And if we're up, then I mean, I think that's a tremendous idea. We buy chicken wings for the crew. Yeah. Well, Aaron's money. And Aaron, where's your card? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, it'll be, uh, what are they, well, we, we need the scientists, the data scientists back. What is it? The case and the, uh, the sub, subject or whatever. Um, we'll just, yeah, this will be a case study on, on unders. Absolutely. So we already saw it in week one. We'll see if it carries over in, uh, in week I two. I had read something going into the Hall of Fame game, that the Hall of Fame game had went under like six out of the last seven years. I mean, if you played the under in the Hall of Fame yeah. game, you just, you put your feet up and you said, yep. This is glorious, absolutely glorious. This one is coming home. So uh, week two will be here before you know it for the uh, for the preseason. New England at Philadelphia. New England laying a point and a half at Philly, a total of 38 and a half. Jump on it. We will Jump see. on it. We will see. <laughs> Are you going to place a wager this week in the preseason? I don't know yet. I'm still looking. Still he did take his notes. I'm taking my notes. He took yeah. his notes, folks. He's, I wrote down everything he right, said. He's writing. He wrote down the games that he later. likes. Yeah. Taking a look. We'll see. He was uh, do his evaluating. I like Washington. I like the Huskies. Does Yogi Roth agree with my assessment? We will talk to the Pac-12 Network's finest next right here.
on the nightcap. Indeed's instant match searches through millions of resumes and Indeed's database to deliver candidates who fit your job description instantly. Find out more, head to Indeed.com slash credit. John King, former Tulane Green Wave. Tim Murray with you. It is the nightcap, and we are just scratching the surface on conference breakdowns. And earlier in the show, we discussed the Pac-12, which, Sean, you said is what? Like Pudding. Like pudding. It's like pudding. Pretty good. Yeah. Doesn't taste great. Doesn't taste terrible. It's kind of <laughs> something you eat when you have nothing else to do. That's what the Pac-12 is. You kind of watch it when there's no other games on. Well, they're usually late, which is nice. And uh, Pac-12 after dark is always a fun thing. And uh, there's no one better to talk Pac-12 with than Yogi Roth, who joins us right now at Yogi Roth on Twitter. And Yogi, uh, if you are a believer in Phil Steele, which I am, and I'm not blindly just taking his number one surprise team, but the more I've done my homework and the way the schedule makes out uh, breaks out for this particular team, I'm fascinated about them to potentially win the conference. And that is Washington. No USC or Utah in the regular season. They get Arizona State, Oregon, and UCLA at home this year. Only four conference road games are at Oregon State, at Arizona, at Stanford, and at Colorado. Um, for this team to win the Pac-12, they've done it. They did it in 2018. They did it in 2016. They would have made the conference championship last year, but obviously uh, they had a COVID situation, so they weren't able to play. Either talk me off the ledge or uh, endorse my uh, recommendation. Where are you on the Huskies? <laughs> I'm high, but I, I got to ask Sean, like, if the Pac-12 is pudding, what is the American? Oh, don't. Oh, I, I'm on record as saying, Yogi, that I think over the last five to six years, the American Athletic Conference has been better top to bottom than the Pac-12. Having said that, of course, I have a bias because I've lived on the eastern coast on the eastern time you coached zone. in that conference right i coached in that conference so you probably missed a little earlier in the show when i said i'm starting to open up to really delving into the pac-12 and gaining more of an appreciation for the elite <laughs> aspects of it so i'm a person that's always evolving and this is a part of my evolution but in the south the pac-12 might as well be the whack <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, in the West, the American might as well be like I. Touche, touche. Jeez, we we want the Big East back, and I say that as being a former Big East guy. But um, hey, I appreciate you doing the work in that regard. Um, it, it's a, it's a, it's fun and it's funny, but it's also a reality. And I think that that's the been always a challenge out West, is that unless SC was rolling. And the narrative on SC is always that they are rolling, and history would say that that's really not been the case. They've only had five, ten win seasons since 1980 outside of Coach Carroll when he was there, and that was when I was on the staff, and it was just different. So I, I think a lot of times we feel that from people, whether it's the South or the Southeast or the Southwest and the Midwest, that it's just, you know, it's kind of just a, you just take the narrative that, you know, somebody else throws out there. So I'm glad that you are doing some of the work now. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this league this year. And I'll answer your question about UW. One of the most draft picks in the history of this league. Uh, we'll definitely have more draft picks than the American Conference this year um, and probably more in the last five years when you look at top to bottom of the conference. And, and I think because of the COVID year that everybody had, and you referenced Washington, 
this league's just going to be the strongest it's been in a long time because so many super seniors are coming back or guys chose to come back. So at UW, Kate Otten, uh, one of the top tight ends in the country, decided to return. Jackson Kirkland, one of the top tackles in the country, chose to return. The running back room has two 60-year seniors who've started you know, over 15 games each in their respective careers. So UW's uh, got a chance to make a lot of noise. I think when I look at like Phil Steele, and we all love him, and he talks about sleepers, I think he picked like three or four from this league, right? Whether it was Oregon or UW or SC or Arizona State. Um, you know, the, UCLA is another one that I think he chose. There's a lot of talent out here this year, guys, and, and not because I've been around the league for almost 20 years now, but legitimately there's NFL players every position on most teams. And, and sometimes more than just one, right? I'm talking about multiple D linemen at UCLA that would start in the SEC that are considered first-round picks when you talk to guys in the league in that regard. And, and I think that's just because of the, the depth. And UW has it. They return their entire offensive line. Huge loss, obviously, on the defensive end with ETF. They're all-American edge rusher. Uh, so we'll see what happens in that regard. But they got a first-round corner in Trent McDuffie. Their other corners, one of the better athletes in the nation, uh, Kyler Gordon, I'm talking – 46-inch vertical leap, just does freakish stuff with his body and has now been in the program for four years at that position, learning out of Jamie Lake. Uh, they, they've got – they don't have a lot of holes. So if they can elevate a receiver, they've done well on the portal. They've got some young players that I think will play well after calling their spring game. Dylan Morris, as you said, only played in four games last year. Played pretty well when you just look at that small body of work. So I like them. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they go week two – in the Big Ten and head out to Michigan and physically win that game. And I think we'll, we'll open up a lot of other eyes around the country that think the conference might just be pudding. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I, I don't know what – I like pudding. I, I mean, you give me a nice bowl of chocolate pudding that my grandma made, I'm in. I'll just sit there all day like a, like a, like a kid in a candy store. Here's the great thing about me being a part of VEASAN. Uh, Yoga, I've only been here for one week now, and it's located <laughs> in Las Vegas, so now I get to really become a voice <laughs> for Pac-12, the WAC, the Mountain West Conference, all of these programs that – and as you alluded to, Yogi, on in the other time zone, they're just not relevant. And it's not necessarily fair because I'm a huge Buccaneer fan. Our first-round selection was Tryon, yep. the defensive end from the University of Washington. Yep. You see year in and year out, they have a lot of elite talent. I have a big-picture question for you because there have been a lot of very talented individual players from this conference over the last decade. What has happened from a program-building standpoint where none of the programs have really separated themselves and consistently been in the conversation as one of the real elites in college football? Yeah, well, there's a lot to that, I think. Um, if, you, if you really want to wind it back, which will be good for you, you know, in your first week, I got you. I'll be, I'm your Pac-12 guy, man. All right, I'm with you. Here. I'm with you. Okay. Um, because here's the problem, just to state what you said uh, around the narrative around the country. The truth is, the only people that really matter are the people in the committee room when it comes to college football. Really, you know, if you if you look at the way that it's set up now in terms of decision making, the problem is that all of them have day jobs. You know, this isn't their full time job, and they listen to the narrative, and often it's lazy, especially to your point with games at times being late. Right, Christian McCaffrey not winning the Heisman is highway robbery. Got yep. broke Barry Sanders Sanders record. I mean, I, I, whether you live in Florida or Colorado or Stanford, California, like. 
everybody knew that. I mean, the record he broke in the way that he did it, but he played so late at night that, you know, a lot of times the narrative was just the narrative, and that's what happened. So for us, if you take it back in time for when, when I was at SC and uh, after I left, SC gets put on sanctions. And when that happened, a couple things were happening. Expansion was about to begin. TV right, uh, TV deals were, were about to significantly alter out here. We had, a, we had the best deal at the time in all of college football when Larry Scott made that initial Pac-12 expansion and TV rights deal with Fox, ESPN, and, and the creation of the Pac-12 networks. So staffs got better, right? Assistants got better. Facilities got better. And when SC was on probation and lost all those scholarships, when, when I was there, we were taking players that we knew wouldn't start for us, but we knew they might be a backup, but they definitely wouldn't start at UCLA, you know, because we want to play them. You know, we were just dominating the recruiting landscape. Well, when all of a sudden you lose 20 scholarships, that totally changed everything. And people got to come into L.A. Coaching got better, Chip Kelly, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you know the names that really you know, took the Pac-10 that was all USC at the end into the Pac-12, which became Stanford. It became Oregon. It became Washington. You know, those three teams pretty much were cycling as the champions of this league for the most part up until SC won one. I mean, if you look at you know, how many have won it from the South, and you know, that's just the facts, and you look at the history of the league. So I, I think that, that was the first domino that fell. And then when it really found a lot of parity is you know, we were, you know, out of the major conferences, we were still playing nine conference games. Right, you saw the SEC obviously not doing that. Uh, you see the ACC not doing that, and all of them, them found their quote unquote USC. Right, it was Nick Saban in Alabama. We know what Dabo had done at Clemson, and they became really a one horse conference. You know, when the thing really got going five six years ago, SEC has obviously grown there with LSU winning a national championship, but ultimately it's been Bama, ACC. I hate to say it, and my Pitt Panthers haven't. You know, won that league, it's been all Clemson and everybody else. And in our league, due to the nine conference games and not playing, you know, embarrassing weeks, you know, 12 and, and 13 games like a lot of these teams do when they play, uh, you know, a one double A opponent, our, our team's playing a rival. Our team's going eight, nine straight conference games in a row after a bye. So our scheduling didn't really help us out. And you couple that in with some really big non con games in the beginning of the season that we lost. Right, UW loses to Auburn on the last drive. Oregon loses to Auburn on the last drive. And because of, in my opinion, what ESPN has done with the CFP, it just became the narrative. Oh, that league's out. And it's <laughs> yeah. a lot to battle back. And if you watch it, or, Sean, to your point, if you watch the draft, more talent's coming out of this league, uh, or just as much talent's coming out of it as it was before. Right. The playoff just created a narrative where people didn't care. So, like, like, I hear you talk about the American. I love that you bowled for your league. I think everybody should do that. But if you really studied our team, which you, I know you're going to do that this year, you, like, there'd be no way I think you would ever say that top to bottom. Like, I, I don't even think you'd come close to saying that if you, you went out and studied and watched practice and saw, and saw these teams compete. Because you're not watching probably uh, Arizona State play. You know, you're watching SE and Oregon and maybe the two or three bigger games of the week, but you're not seeing the depth and breadth of the league until you see guys get drafted. And then the narrative doesn't matter then because it's all about the NFL. So that's my long-winded narrative of what I think has happened over the course of the last five or six years. All right, Yogi, we're going to have to have you on again. uh, We're not getting him in the studio. Come now. You'll enjoy the Circus Sports book. Pick a week. Yeah. Come down. Spend a day with us. Anytime. Yeah. I love you, Sean. We'll talk Trent Dilfer, the Buccaneers. We'll we'll, we'll go down there and relay. Absolutely. (laughs) Fresno, the Valley, baby. (laughs) There he is. Yogi Roth, at Yogi Roth on Twitter. Great stuff from him breaking down uh, 
The Conference of Champions, as Bill Walton would call it. Talking about the AAC? (laughs) It's the nightcap here on VEASAN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.